Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Editing is not just having your best friend or neighbor proof your book before you hit publish. Um, there's, if you kind of back it up, there's developmental editing, which can come before, often comes before you've even finished your manuscript, kind of making sure your idea um, can bear the weight of a full length book. Hey, it's Ryan from the Prolific Creator, where we reflect on life and art and see what sticks. And today, my friends, I have a special interview for you with Samantha Haney, who is a freelance editor who has helped over 60 authors get their manuscript scripts ready for publishing. And she is a pro and an expert, and we have a great conversation around the work of editing. And if you are a writer, if you want to write, you're thinking about writing, you've already written, you're going to love this episode uh, because... Samantha is a pro and she knows what she's talking about. And we talk about the different levels of editing, the kinds of editing. We're not talking about just proofreading here. Um, not that that's not important, uh, but the different levels of editing and the, and the approach that she takes. She talks about the reader first mindset, which you're going to love. And to think about how do I get my manuscript into a better place? Whether you're indie publishing, self-publishing, whether you're traditionally published, Samantha can help you. And so I'm really excited to share this episode with you. And I also have another reason why I want to share this episode with you is because I've had some bad experiences with editors, uh, people that kind of promoted themselves as, you know, pros and experts. And I didn't really ask enough questions and really the, the product I got back, um, the notes I got back weren't that helpful. And so I've, I've, I've learned from my mistakes, uh, but Samantha knows what she's doing and I've had some better experiences since then. And I've, because I've been able to ask a lot of these questions that she's going to help you ask. So whether you want to write, you have written, you want to get better at editing, you want to get better at thinking about editing, you even need an editor. Samantha is someone that can help you. And, and so I'm going to put her information in the show notes and you can check her out, uh, the services that she provides. So I'm so thankful for Samantha stopping by the show today to share all her expertise. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Samantha Hanny. 
Well, welcome to the show, Samantha Haney. We're so glad to have you on the show. And as I was just mentioning, uh, one of my, some of my favorite guests on the show are editors because um, I've had some bad experiences with editors and I know there's a lot of writers and indie publishers that are just looking for good editors. They don't know where to go. And so it's always good to have this conversation. And so I'm so glad you reached out and I'm so glad we can make this happen. So Samantha, why don't you say hello and tell us something about yourself that maybe nobody knows except your closest friends. All right. Well, thanks for having me today. I'm super excited for our conversation and hopefully it will kind of demystify the process a little bit for, for authors. Um, so one of the things that people um, may not know about me unless they've known me for a while is that I was actually homeschooled. So I was homeschooled first through 12th grade and it was an amazing experience. So I'm really grateful for that. So um, that is a part of my story. All right. Well, so why don't we dig into that a little bit? So you're, you were homeschooled, um, but where did kind of writing, editing, the love of language? I mean, I think most editors, that's probably true of them. And if you don't like words, you don't like sentences, you probably are <laughs> not going to be a very good editor. So, so yeah, tell us when, when all that started to kind of come bubble up in you, if you will. Well, only from birth. <laughs> um, I was very lucky to be raised um, by parents that read to me and also grandparents that read to me, grandparents that loved to read everywhere that I went. I was just surrounded by books. Um, my grandmother was actually a public school teacher and she taught second grade for many, many years. So she always had the latest scholastic, uh, reads hanging out at her house. And, uh, so from an early age, loved to read. And then the curriculum program that we followed was very heavy on writing. And so that was just, um, just an early skill that I developed. And my mom was my first editor. So I have to give a shout out to her. She was a tough editor, but it definitely, uh, show me the power of revising. And so uh, just having that idea in mind that once I wrote something, I wasn't really done yet, <laughs> not until it had been through the revision process. So that just that love of language has, has been there from the beginning. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, I think there's, there's some common threads. I, you know, when I think of people that write or people that edit, you know, love of language books. Um, I know for me, my grandparents, my, actually my parents weren't big readers. It's actually my grandparents and, you know, reading CS Lewis and all these great books. Yep. And just from a very, very young age, my aunt was a worked at a bookstore and all this. <laughs> and um, I'm not, but I am, I am amazed. Like, I think when we think about the writing process or the editing processes, those that want to write well, um, a lot of people don't read that much. And one of the, I think the best tools to kind of learn the craft of just language and how it, what makes for good writing is just to read a lot and to kind of see different ways of uh, uh, people write and the ways they tell their stories. Cause I think you can get gain a lot from, you know, as you tell your stories, you know, what, what makes for a good book? Like why are there certain stories we always come back to or books we come back to? Um, and I think some of that's about the language and how it's written and how it's told. Um, but yeah, I wanted to jump into that because a lot of your work is about helping authors kind of get kickstarted, getting their work out into the world. Um, you mentioned, you know, you've helped over 60 authors kind of get their manuscripts ready for, for publishing. And I love, I love to explore that a little deeper with you. Um, you know, when, when someone comes to you, you know, they're looking to clean up their manuscript. I mean, what's kind of the process. I mean, where do you begin? What do you, what are you helping them think about kind of, kind of start there and we'll, we'll go from there. Awesome. So uh, the first thing that I like to do is educate them on the types of editing, um, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what the editing process looks like, especially when it comes to indie publishing. And that's, it's, it's understandable because um, it, 
indie publishing, that that process looks different if it if, unless if it were going to be through a traditional publishing house, those you know similar elements, but very different. Um, and often the author is footing the bill for a lot of these things. And so that kind of uh, narrows your choices in some respects as well. So sometimes there's just a lot of misconceptions. And so editing is not just having your best friend or neighbor proof your book before you hit publish. Um, there's, if you kind of back it up, there's developmental editing, which can come before, often comes before you've even finished your manuscript, kind of making sure your idea um, can bear the weight of a full length book, um, whether that is fiction or nonfiction. And most of my experience, I'll just say up front, is in nonfiction. Um, so a lot of my um, uh, examples are going to be kind of in that realm. But, um, you know, just kind of helping authors understand there's developmental editing and then you've actually got your first draft done and then you have line editing which is just looking at the manuscript as a whole like does it flow is there clarity and consistency did one of your characters name change (laughs) midway through the book or um, you know would this one chapter really flow better if it was if swapped with this one and um, are you thinking about your reader all throughout the book um, and then you come to copy editing, which is uh, all the kind of we hear all the jokes about getting, you know, grammar and uh, formatting uh, taken care of. And so a lot of my experience lies with line editing and copy editing, but mainly copy editing. So that's the first thing I do is I want authors to kind of understand what's out there, what I specialize in, and then where they think their manuscript is going to fit in, uh, fit in with that, where they think they're um, what they're ready for. And then you should proof it, but often that comes maybe when you have um, just a, an actual proof copy and you can look at it in book form versus on um, a computer screen. So, um, you know, again, that may change and uh, look a little bit different depending on your situation, but in general, those are the phases um, that that editing is going to go through, that your book is going to go through. Yeah, because I think what you're you're describing is some people come to you and they do, they don't realize that they don't really have a book. They have a seed of an idea of a book. They have a right. half a book. They have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to go back to your. You made a little comment about. Um, you know, is, is this really? Does it? Can it carry the weight of a whole book? I think that's a really uh, important phrase. Uh, give us an example of of what you mean mean by that, because I think. Um, well, I think I know what you mean, but um, I've had the half baked book where it's like basically them telling the editor telling me like, there's not a book here. It's like either nine ideas, <laughs> it could be nine books right. or it's just not enough to carry a whole book. So get, give us kind of example, like r- real world example, think of even a client or just off the top of your head. Like what, what would that be? Like someone comes to you with an idea and you're just like, ah, that's not really a, a book. What, what do you mean by that? So, like I said, a lot of what I do is in um, nonfiction and a, a lot of it is ends up being in the faith-based um space. And so what happens is that we, we all like sharing about experiences in our life. And so there may have been um, a spiritual experience in someone's life um, and they want to um, almost kind of immediately turn that into a book. And sometimes that's a good idea. And sometimes it's not. And the reasons could be as many as there are people. Um, it may be that it was just meaningful for you and for those that are right around you. Um, but again, there's 
um, it maybe needs some more years to kind of marinate before you could really pull out lessons that help readers from a wide variety of backgrounds. Or maybe it is so broad that um, it's just not going to hold you know, not going to have a whole lot of information. And so those are, those are the examples that kind of come to mind is being, you got to be very careful when you're writing about those personal experiences because they're personal to you, but your reader is not going to pick up on the same meaningful things that are meaningful to you. You really have to think about, okay, this is how I experienced it, but what, what might that look like in my reader's life? That's coming from a different background. That's different ages, different demographics and uh, kind of shifting it to how do I want my reader to be different um, after? And I think it can sometimes just be very self-centered, which Mm -hmm. writing has that tendency. It can be a very self-centered profession, but I think where it really gains its power is when you turn that focus on your readers. Well, that's really good. I, I, I think when you're hinting, hinting at a lot of like memoir too, is, is like memoirs, it's like one, one thing happened or one season of life or whatever. And sometimes if you don't give enough space between when it actually happened, it's hard to tell that story or it's so, it's so raw to you. It's so powerful to you that you, you, you expect the masses to love it and go like, of course, you know, they're going to love this, but the reality is like, you need to give it some room. Um, yes. Cause I think, I, I mean, I love reading memoirs and biographies and things. I do too. Yeah. And it, it seems like the, the stories that have, have some, like I just read one recently about a guy was telling about his dad who committed suicide and, and this happened like 60 years ago, you know, and he's just now telling the story. And it's like, I think just having that room to kind of sit back and kind of go, what is the story here? What is the piece, the angle that I'm trying to tell? It's, you know, and if he would have told that right when it happened, I don't know if it would have had the same kind of power or, 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 or just been too much, too raw, too, (laughs) cause, cause you know, the books we read, they, there is that, that idea of there is a kind of a general audience that that resonate with it, right? If it's too intense or too specific, sometimes it's not going to really hit with very many people. Right. Not that that's always a bad thing. Um, but I like that. I, it sounds like you have a, a well thought out process of you come with an idea and maybe to you, this idea feels like this is a full length book. People, you know, it's going to make the best bestseller list, <laughs> but it's like, how do we think about the idea a little, little further and say, yeah, how would this, this resonate with, with the readers? And, um, and I think that's a, actually a, a great, um, maybe unintentionally segue. Uh, and one of the things you talk about is that reader first mindset. I, I was reading some things you were talking about on your website. And I, I think in another podcast, you talked about this. I mm-hmm. love that idea of flush that out a, mo- a little more for us, developing a reader first mindset. Uh, what do you, what do you mean by that? The example I like to use is that of a dinner party. And when you are hosting a dinner party, the comfort, um, of your guests is what's uppermost in your mind. Yes, it's at your house. Yes, you're you're putting it together, but your focus is on are these people going to have a good time? Have I prepared a meal that they're going to like? Are is there going to are there going to be good dynamics between all of the guests? And so you're you're focused on creating a good experience for them. And there's also a natural flow to the evening as well. When your guests come in the door, you don't immediately just rush them to the table and slam the food down on the table and force them to start eating. There's, there's mingling, there's maybe a little bit of snacking, you're finishing preparations, and then everyone sits down. So what does that even look like when we're talking about writing? So I like to help authors think about, 
you know, what is the, the ebb and flow of your book going to look like? Sometimes I instruct them, hey, your intro needs to really invite your readers in. Um, you've started off way too abruptly and there's no room for them to kind of ease into your um, ease into your ideas, ease into what you want them um, to get from this book. So sometimes that's, that's something that I direct them with. And then other times it's just, again, very focused on the author's ideas and how they're perceiving their experiences and really not thinking about how that's going to land on, on readers. And so, uh, and I think that comes again from being very clear of like, what are your publishing goals with the book and how do you want your audience to be different um, when they finish? Because that, that, goal should be very clear throughout the entire book and each chapter should be meeting that goal in small ways. And then it should come full circle by the end of the book. And so those are things that can be adjusted as we, as you write, it's not like, you know, whatever that initial goal is, it's going to stay the same throughout the entire book. Um, But the overarching goal really does kind of guide that whole writing process. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I like this. I, I, I hear you saying, and maybe it's the words I would use, but I, I like to give books room to breathe. Um, I think some yes. of the the best books are if you if you come in with all your best stories and all the intense action points and all the you know mm-hmm. big emotions, like it's a lot for a reader. I mean, you've probably read books like that too, where you're just it's like almost too much, like it's too right. much too soon, or just the whole the whole time, and and it's almost like in a in a good novel where. You know, a lot of action happens and it's like, it breathes a little bit. There's some yes. dialogue, they calm down. Yeah. Cause if it's just constant, it's just almost like takes the reader out of the story yeah. and nonfiction can be that too. It's, it's too much information, too many stories, too much emotion, too much, you know, it's like, how do you kind of, I would also use the word pacing, yes. you know, cause pacing something, I think um, writers as they, they do it more often as they've written a few books is like, how do you pace a book? Um, where there's again, room to breathe throughout. It's not just the constant or you're not repeating yourself all the time, or it's the same kind of stories or whatever. Um, right. That's really helpful. I like that because I think when we don't, I guess it's an art or a dance or maybe some art and science mixed of mm-hmm. when you sit down to write a book is you don't want to only think about the, the, the reader mm-hmm. um, because a lot of it is your own story or it's your own idea right. or whatever. But simultaneously is when you get to the end, you do want to say, well, someone you know, Lord willing, we'll read this book and, and I want it to be a good experience for them. You know, I, I want to make sure I give some context. Um, I, he- I heard you hinting at like, um, you know, some books that just start just way too fast or they don't really give any context. And I think that that's a big rookie mistake too, is just the idea that we don't really know who you are. We don't really know your story and you kind of come guns blazing, like, you, you know, give us some more of, of, what are we getting into? You know, kind of, e- I think you said the word, you know, ease them into kind of the the, yes. the story or the book, yeah. because, because again, we're assuming like, you know, Oh, everybody knows us, but that's how you talk to your friends and family. Like, of course they know you when you tell a story, right. but you're talking about a stranger, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't just walk up to someone and be like, Hey, by the way, you know, let me tell right. you my life story. It's like, you give them like, what's your name and who are you and where are you from? And all those kinds of things. And that's really good. I like that. Um, now you, uh, talked about, um, the kind of the reader first mindset, and you've talked about some different levels of editing. So you have Mm -hmm. like developmental editing, you have copy, Mm -hmm. uh, editing. Um, and I'd like to kind of come back to that a little bit, um, is because I think sometimes, um, when someone, 
you know, comes to you and, and I've had it too. Like people just will say, Hey, can I email you my manuscript? Just give me a few thoughts on it or whatever. And I don't have a ton of time to do that, but you know, once in a while I will, I had a good friend that, that sent me something. Um, and it, it was kind of the, the, the hard truth of like, there, there's, there's a lot of ideas here. There's a lot of stories here, but it's not really a cohesive, cohesive book. Um, mm-hmm. so what would be like your kind of, uh, approach to maybe someone in that situation? It's like, they're really excited about this idea. They have maybe a rough draft of some kind. Um, what would you do to kind of help them like tighten up the book or kind of give it a focus? Is there, are there tips or tricks or skills or ideas you kind of help clients do when you, when they're kind of, you know, all over the place, if you will? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sometimes there could be a lot of solutions to that. And so sometimes maybe um, they just need some practice, honestly, telling their story. And so I I know a very common path these days is maybe you start off with a blog and then eventually that turns into a book. But maybe some people would really benefit from actually uh, taking some of those ideas and breaking them up into blog posts, um, maybe they would have some opportunities to kind of share their story, maybe with their church or some other local organizations. And just honestly, that process of uh, having to condense their story or what, whatever their, their message is into a smaller package would actually help refine it in a whole book form. Because the book is like top tier <laughs> of, of sharing because it is, it's so long. It's such an intense process. Um, and versus give, you know, you still are preparing if you're giving a talk, if you're writing a newsletter, if you're writing a blog post, but the book is like, you know, producers extended cut, right? So if you have some practice at those in those smaller venues, that I think would actually help you get more focus when you came to putting it into book form. So that that is one option. And then um, just getting them to stop and think about of, okay, are these, you know, because sometimes something that trips authors up is thinking that they have to stay in chronological order uh, for something that lends itself towards memoir or something like that. But uh, you know, and those chronological chronological details will be meaningful to the author, not maybe so much to the reader. And so thinking about instead, what is out of this season of life that you're talking about? What did you actually, what did you really learn? What could also the reader learn? And so kind of moving them from, uh, chronological, like staying locked into that timeline and making it kind of more lesson or theme based. So those are a couple of ideas of working your story in a smaller format. Um, and then also moving away from just ha- having everything having to be chronologically. This is the only way I can tell my story. Well, yeah. And I, I think one of the the curses of a book, um, <laughs> that may sound strange to, to our audience, but, but, when you have a, a, what I'll call a larger runway, it's easier to just kind of give everything and, yes. and it just kind of meanders. And, you know, cause you feel like I have all these extra words to kind of play with. Right. Um, I love this idea of like taking a blog post or something short and kind of honing in an idea because it actually teaches you how to do that. Well, like if I only have 500, 800, 1200 words, how would I say this more concisely, more clearly? Um, it's funny in, in some of my work as a pastor, it's like, <laughs> if I can't explain yeah. <laughs> my sermon in two minutes to my wife, it's not done yet. Like it's too all over the place, right? It's gotta yep. be kind of honed in. And, and that would be anybody that speaks or does you know anything. Right. Um, that's just a great lesson because again, books, it's like, you're looking at 50,000 words, 70,000 words. I yeah. mean, in your head, you're going, I got all kinds of room <laughs> to kind of, <laughs> but you're going to lose the reader and you're, you're, you're just going to, you know, or just repeat yourself. And, and I think it's just, you know, I'm, 
Um, I imagine, you know, what you, what you do as an editor, most good editors is to, you know, you're going to have them cut back a lot of their words, not add in more. I mean, some, you know, you need to do that. I mean, maybe right. there's not enough there, but, but for a lot, for me, I know it's always cutting back. It's not adding in more. Yeah. Like I have no problem using way too many words and telling too many stories. Um, but uh, no, that's, that's really good. I, I, I think that's a, um, something that people take for granted, but I think it's also like a skill that can, can be learned is like, how do you take an idea and just really make it really clear mm-hmm. and hone it in? Um, I've even heard people, you know, using the example of think about the, the book blurb itself. Like yes. how, how would you, you know, in 50 to hundred words, explain what the book's about. And it's like, if you can't do that, you're probably not ready to write it. You know, it's too kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, that's really good. Um, now along those lines, I, I also loved what you were talking about. Um, I, I think you might've talked about, I think in one of your emails to me is creativity as a muscle to exercise, um, yeah. not limited to supply. I love that. Um, cause you, you gave me some ideas of things that you love to talk about. And, and that really fits well with this show, because I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is just help people understand like creativity is not some magical thing that only certain people can do. And, you know, and only authors and painters and whatever, but, but it's something that we practice. It's something you, you, you can get better at it and there's mm-hmm. skills involved. Right. I think a lot of what you're describing and editing and just working with authors is like, it takes practice. It takes time. Right. right. Um, but let's, let's talk about that. So creativity is a muscle to exercise. Like, how do you, how do you um, explain that? How would you um, help us understand that? It can be intimidating because especially in, in the realm of writing, um, but also applies to, to other mediums as well, is that we just have this expectation that we want to be instantly good at whatever we do. Uh, and even more so um, as technology has uh, advanced and there's a lot that we don't have to wait on, we just kind of don't want to wait on these creative skills to, to develop. And uh, I, uh, for a time, I also taught creative writing um, to high schoolers and Luckily, a lot of them, you know, did, they did enjoy writing on some level, but they were intimidated because they're like, I just don't feel very good. Therefore, I will never be good. And um, just kind of viewing of, you know, anything that's in this realm, um, anything that's like in the fine arts of playing an instrument or, or dance. Um, I grew up dancing uh, all, all my life. And so that took years to develop a skill and where I am as a writer today is vastly different where I was in, in high school. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it does take years, even though we are surrounded by so much, um, you know, instant improvement, you know, we can instantly know where we're going with our, the, with our map apps and, um, we can microwave and all, all these different things, but true skill, um, just takes, it just takes longer. So I think first adjusting that and having different expectations and also not expecting yourself, I'm going to sit down and write a 50,000 word novel when I've not actually even developed a writing habit before. That's much too big of a goal. But if you instead said like, Hey, I would love to be able to write like that one day, I would love to write a story. Um, But first I'm going to make it a habit to write for 10 minutes, five days a week starting with understanding a goal is different than an actual daily task that you could accomplish. And um, just also being free to, to experiment with, with your art and not actually having an end goal sometimes helps. Um, And uh, another piece of advice that I would, I would give my students is 
um, I think I first read it actually in the John Acuff book, but I'm, I've heard it other places as well is give yourself permission to be a tourist with a, with a new skill or with improving a skill. You know, if you do go to a new city, no one's going to expect you to immediately know where the best places to eat are and where all the best hangouts are um, because you're new. Um, but then we don't extend that same grace to ourselves when we are working on our art. Well, that's really good. You know, and the the dirty little secret too is, I mean, those that have written books is every book has its own challenge. I mean, I think I've written, yep. I don't know, 20 at this point and a bunch that never will never see the light of day. <laughs> but, but the reality is like you explained it. It's like every book still, it's still word after word, sentence after sentence, paragraph. After, I mean, there's no shortcut to it. I mean, if you're right. a painter, it's still canvas and paint and, and sketching and, and, you know, there's no, even when you get good, it's, it's not it's not that it's easy, easier the second time or the third time. Now I think you're, you feel more comfortable and you feel more confident at times, but it doesn't make it easy. And I think they all, you know, and that's what nobody wants to hear, right? It's the hard <laughs> sludge in battle of, you know, trying to figure it out, but yeah, it's, it's, it's practice. It's, it's just getting better each day, getting comfortable each day. Um, I know my son, you know, he's a teenager and, and it's, it, it's really been really hard, you know, at, when they're younger, they're, they have so much awe and wonder and creativity and just painting and drawing and singing yep. and doing all these things. And then they get a little older and they start getting kind of insecure. And it's like, dad, I'm just not good at drawing. I'm just not good at writing. I'm just not. And, it, and he actually is, but it's like to get that. Yeah. You're not going to be, you know, Picasso. You're not going to be, you know, Shakespeare in one week, but you need to work at it. Right. And it's just like, how do you encourage people to keep, keep on? Because I think there's always that good, you know, result that comes later when we just kind of stick with it. Um, so yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, now, when you, you deal with a lot of different authors, you know, some just starting some probably, I imagine been around for a while, written a few books. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're probably editing books that need just, you know, basic copy editing to those that need deep <laughs> developmental, like get this out of here. You need to redo the whole thing kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but when you, when you work with a client, what would be some of, and maybe this is a way to kind of help those that are listening, if they're regardless of where they're at, um, is what are some like, what I would call like rookie mistakes? Like what are, what are things that they come to you with a manuscript and it's like, these are two, three, four, five things I see all the time mm -hmm. that, that can be fixed even before you come to an editor. Like when you're, you're ready to kind of say, okay, here it is. What do you think? You know, or what does it need? What, anything right. that comes to mind? The first thing that I, I hope they would understand that sometimes a lot of authors don't come into the process with this mindset is um, maybe they have had a bad experience with an editor or they're just not still not sure what to expect. And so they're kind of almost on the defensive a little bit because they're expecting me to just hack everything to pieces. You know, I think writing a book is one of the hardest things you can do. It's very personal. It's very precious to to every author and then you turn it over to someone and then they, there's like all these marks when you get it back and that <laughs> is but you know that can be intimidating but the idea is that you know the author and the editor can be a team working together in order to make your you you know I'm speaking to the author make your words shine and be the most impactful that it can be because you have spent all this time working on um, this amazing creative project so why not do all that you can to make it the best that it can be? And don't view me as the uh, enemy. <laughs> I'm, I am your ally as we're helping it reach the, that goal. So that's kind of the first mindset adjustment that I, I hope authors can embrace. Um, but also uh, running spell check before you send it <laughs> would be great. Oh, yeah. 
I, I hate that I have to say that, but um, I do get things that uh, that's clearly not been done. Uh, that's always a great place to start. Also to just uh, not over format. Sometimes I get things that are just already over formatted with chapters and subheadings or, and authors are putting in their own little graphic details. And uh, that's just not the phase of editing that we're, that we're at. And I'm not going to be the person that actually does that for, for the author. And it can just make everything really clunky. So mm-hmm. I would encourage authors and I um, try to instruct that when we're getting started in the process of just most basic formatting. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you have to over format and to not also over punctuate. um, uh, And whatever you do, try and make it consistent with that. So um, just using one exclamation mark instead of 10 here and then five (laughs) here, three Mm -hmm. here. uh, That's pretty common. Um, Also just kind of asking about any, uh, especially when it comes, numbers can be really difficult uh, because there's, depending on what, what format you're using, do we spell it out? Do we use new, you know, all, all that good stuff. Um, and you can all, uh, if you have some kind of element that's going to repeat a whole lot. And so maybe you do have something with a whole bunch of citations, maybe you're using a lot of outside quotes, anything that's got, uh, or a lot of scripture because that I do work with that a whole lot. Anytime you have an element that's going to repeat through the book, it might be a good idea to ask the editor beforehand, like, Hey, there's a lot of this in my manuscript, is there a specific way that I need to maybe format it or something that would make it easier on you? Those are some good questions to ask at the start. I like that. You use the word consistency. And I think that's the thing I learned. I've learned a ton from editors is like their feedback is, Hey, if you're going to do, you know, you're going to spell 21 versus write out 21, just keep it the same. Or uh, I remember I had one. um, I don't know where you stand on this This is probably a big controversial. I don't want to divide the audience, (laughs) Um, but you know, it's like capitalizing like dad, right. Uh, or lower casing. I know you know, English, you can go either way, Yeah. you know, capital, but it's like, whatever you choose, like do it the same throughout the whole, you know, the whole manuscript as opposed right. to, you know, inconsistently, you know, sometimes it's capitalized, sometimes it's not um, like things like that. I think are, those are just learning. Like, I mean, I, my editors have been the greatest teachers of English of formatting of my tendencies, my bad tendencies <laughs> and, and how to kind of correct them. But I, but that's really, I mean, what I hear you saying is like, you really are kind of a coach. You are kind of a teacher to them. It's not to say you're the worst writer that's ever lived and you know get this out of my face, <laughs> right. but, but more about how do we grow? How do we understand? How do we think about um, you mentioned something, especially with nonfiction, like citations, you know, just keeping those consistent. Cause it's funny. I, I tell people go pick up, you know, write a nonfiction book and you're like, okay, I've never really Mm -hmm. done this. Go pick up a bunch of books that have citations, nonfiction books, see what they do. And what's ironic is not all of them are the same. Like some footnote right in the, on the page, some, you know, the note notation at the end. I mean, there's, there's not necessarily a wrong way to do it. I mean, unless you're writing like academic papers and, you know, things like that, but, um, but you'd be, you'd be surprised. I think authors would be surprised how different, um, but, but just be consistent, like whatever you're deciding to do, do it mm-hmm. that way throughout, you know, um, those are really good because I think, um, you're also thinking about hospitality. Like if I'm going to hire you as my editor, Samantha, like, I'm not going to give you like, Hey, I didn't even spell check this. I didn't, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of work for you. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a mess, right. Unless you're not going to do any of that. And you're just going to look at the you know big, big picture development mm-hmm. or whatever, but still that's, I don't think 
um, I think we're fooling ourselves to think like this is actually ready for consumption. Like you want to get it as good as you can, as mm-hmm. clean as you can, um, you know, to, to really honor and, and help the person that's looking at it. Cause it's, it's not fair to have, you know, 300 mistakes on every page. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, there's going to be mistakes anyways. Um, now the question of all questions, um, and I am curious how you're going to answer this. Um, and I've had asked this question to many people, friends and foes, um, is, is there such thing as a perfect book? Oh. Does, does it exist? And if it does, or if it doesn't, you explain yourself. I think that there can be really premium experiences for different types of books. So um, for, for fiction, um, I'm actually reading one right now that's mostly falling in this category. Uh, if, if it's really a great fiction book, I'm going to lose all track of time. I'm, I'm one of those that if I have the time, I will just sit there and binge read. So to me, that's the mark of some of I'm completely wrapped up in the story. I'm taken out of, you know, my day-to-day life. And I think that's a really great feature about fiction. Um, with nonfiction, uh, if it's going to be like, I am ready to implement this change in my life right now. In fact, I can't even finish reading this chapter until I make some notes or make an adjustment in my life because I can already tell how it's going to improve. So it's kind of, it's, you know, fiction, does it keep me reading, you know, well past when I should, or does it make me stop and want to make a change to my life? I think if you're looking at, you know, just those two separate fiction and nonfiction to me, that those are what you could maybe quote unquote call perfect Mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. Now I totally baited you on that question because I I know (laughs) you probably in your heart of hearts don't believe in a perfect book, but I think what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, but if I were to press you a little further, I imagine you'd also say, but in all those books, even the ones that keep me up all night, you know, reading through to the end, cause I need to know what happened. There's probably punctuation mistakes. There's probably parts of the book you could have left, you know, there's, there's stories that don't work. There's, you know, whatever. Um, I was reading actually a, a really well-known book. I won't say the name and literally in the first paragraph, there's a spelling error. And, and I felt like a, like a weird satisfaction at the same time. So I mean, <laughs> right. this is like a best-selling, but like, this is not, you know, just some indie publishing book that nobody knows. It's like, this is a, a big time book. Right. Um, but to answer the question also, maybe to, in a backwards way to encourage our readers is like, there really isn't a perfect book, right. but if you are doing, if your book's having that kind of effect, you know, nonfiction, like you said, if it's mm-hmm. having, I want to change my life. I want to find a solution. I want to put this down and go do something that I need to do or, you know, or right. think, think differently about something or a fiction book. I just can't, you know, my wife, I think is reading this book right now. She's like, I, I've been losing sleep. It's so good. Right. <laughs> like, but she would say it's not a perfect book. Like there's things I don't like right. there's stuff that could have been caught up, but that's, that's kind of the goal, right? That's, that's the kind of work you're trying to do is to say, how can I give that nonfiction reader a, um, a, create a book that people are going to really have their lives change or that fiction reader, Hey, I'm going to create a book that they're just going to get lost in that story and not want to put it down. Um, and I think that's what writers get stuck is they think it's gotta be perfect, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It, it just needs to, to create those things, the, those results that you, you, you eloquently said uh, so well, um, <clears throat> because that's the goal. Like if it's not solving mm-hmm. a problem, it's probably not ready for consumption as far as nonfiction goes. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If the story's not moving along and it's, <laughs> you know, filled with just kind of random things, it's probably not ready for, for consumption. So 
Um, so let me, um, as we kind of get near the end of this, this uh, interview, I want to be sensitive to your time. This has been great. This has been just a really kind of masterclass and for writers <laughs> just thinking about editing and, and, you know, what that looks like and, and things to consider. Um, if, if somebody, you know, says, Hey, I want to, I want to hire Samantha. Um, I want, I have this book that's maybe kind of ready, you know, what are the things they should be kind of thinking about, you know, before they contact you or, or how does that kind of relationship begin? Like, where do you kind of, kind of take them from step one to, you know, step 10? Uh, so depending on if they do have a fully finished manuscript or a partially finished one, um, I just get all that information down. I have a contact form on my website that just kind of asks them some general questions about where they are with their manuscript. And then we go from there and I schedule a call, uh, just to kind of further hear about their project, what what's really motivating them uh, to, to write this or what did motivate them to write it. And then I can explain, you know, what I offer and we see if that's, we can see if that's a good fit. Um, in, the, in the meantime, um, I know I worked with one author this summer that her book went through um, some beta readers before it came to me. And that was immensely helpful to her, which made it immensely helpful to me because she just had very clear vision of what direction her manuscript was going by the time it came to me. And that just made our, our process that much easier. So that's always something that um, authors can explore if they're kind of getting towards the end and starting to feel out for editors. Um, they could also explore getting some beta readers, which I know that's kind of introducing a whole nother, whole nother topic, but it is helpful. Um, but yeah, I, my contact form uh, walks potential clients through that of letting them kind of talk about their project and then we schedule a call and see if we would be a good fit. And then I put them on my docket, kind of let them know what the, what the time frame would be. And we go from there. All right. Sounds great. So in closing, if you could summarize, synthesize, um, all the tips, the tricks, all the things you you've talked about, what would be like two or three, just little truths that you want to give people that are thinking about writing in the process of writing, wanting to get their manuscript cleaned up. Maybe they're like right at the end, who knows wherever they are, but what would just be like basic synthesize it down two or three, just ideas like do this, do this, do this, or think about this. Uh, when you are getting towards the end of the process, it can be very, it, it, it's, you feel like you're running a marathon, right? It, it is exhausting. And so um, don't be afraid to take some time away actually from the manuscript that can really help, especially if you're just needing some clarity or needing that final push through to, to finish it up. Sometimes some, some just space from your own work can really help. So if you find yourself kind of stuck, I would encourage you to do that. Um, Going back to what we discussed at the very beginning of our conversation, keep reading. Um, and it can be helpful. I know some authors don't like reading in the same genre of what they're writing in. Some do. Um, so I, what, I don't know what would work for you, but I can assure you that continuing to read is going to improve your writing process all the way around. Hmm. Um, so continue to read. Don't be afraid to take a step back um, from, your, from your manuscript and um, just try and hold it with, with open hands. Um, and as you are gathering people on your team to help you get this book out into the world, just uh, try and uh, now 
I know it's a process and a journey. Not everyone's had good experiences with editors, with, with layout people and all that, but try and uh, invite other people into that process because that's going to help you feel a little bit less alone and it's going to make your project that much better. I love that. That's really helpful. So what are you, Samantha, what are you dreaming about? What are you working on? What, what do you have going on? Um, what's kind of the next thing for you? Well, um, I would, uh, it's the kind of is all connected in a way. Um, I'm kind of finishing one season uh, of work and, uh, I've been doing a lot of editing and still have done some writing on the, on the side. So I, I do do both currently. Um, but editing has, um, is mainly what I'm doing. I know that I would love to write another book in the future. Um, my husband and I actually just went through a very long season of infertility and that's mm-hmm. kind of was one of the examples I had, had in my mind and we are still too close to that to, for me to really write about it. I would love to be able to do that in the future though. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking some time to, to process through that before I figure out how that message might help other people mm. in the same place. Um, but we are getting ready to welcome our first, our first kid here in just a few short weeks, hopefully oh, very, very short weeks. So that's honestly the creative project. That's yes, that biggest will take a lot on of my your mind. Time. Yes. Yes. Um, take all so, of your creativity to the limits. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. So yeah, yeah. just keeping that, keeping that open though, of um, I, I think writing is continues to help my editing and editing helps my own writing. And so yeah. kind of seeing where that might go, um, in 2022. Great. Where's the, the best place that people can find you? My home on the internet is Mrs. Haney.com. That's M R S H A N N I.com. I try and share a couple blog, po- blog posts every month, um, on the, on the craft of writing and just kind of focus on helping writers. And then that's also where people can, um, uh, contact me if they want to work with me. Fantastic. Well, Samantha, this has been such a privilege and you've done a fantastic job and I know you've helped a lot of people today, <laughs> giving them in, insight into your world, your work, but also just those I think are going to be super encouraged to think about some things before they, you know, drop a manuscript in your lap. Um, obviously if you want Samantha's help, she is there. I'll put her website in the show notes. Please uh, follow up with her. She'd love to work with you and see if she could be a good fit for you. Um, so thank you, Samantha, so much for coming on the show and uh, hope to do it again sometime. Awesome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, there you have it friends. Thank you, Samantha Hanny for stopping by the show. Check out the show notes. If you need some help with your editing, uh, she is there to help. Uh, also just gives us, I think, some guardrails, some things to think about, some questions to ask when you're looking for that editor-writer relationship. It's really important. And not all editors are created equal. And I appreciate her humility as well to say, hey, there's writers that I'm not able to work with or I'm not able to help them. Or maybe what they've written is is not um, what I can can work with or, or I can really help them. And so that's there's a there's also just a humility there. Not all editors are created equal. And, and that relationship is important. So when you find a good editor, stick with them. Uh, it'll really help you along the way. I know I found a couple that I, I trust with my life. And so, so it's really important. Check out her services, uh, her website. She can help you out. Um, also, uh, just before we go, just thank you for checking out the show today. And if you'd like to stay in, up to date on what's going on, uh, you can check out my website, ryanjpelton.com. Uh, all the updates for the podcast will be there. Um, and probably the easiest way is just to subscribe to the show. 
that way when new shows come live you'll you'll get them into your inbox i also have some other writing resources on the website you can check that out some other tools just to kind of get your creativity your writing to the next level whatever thing you're making whatever you're sharing in the world so hopefully that will help you out and uh, so thank you so much for the kind words and the reviews and if you'd like to leave an honest review or rating on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast it really helps us get the show out into the world so thank you so much for that and before i go friends i just have one thing to say go make some great art with your life i'll talk to you